Thank you, Joy Dell and Lori and all those who have served our seniors by being involved in this quilting ministry. And you guys are going to stay put right there because we're going to jump into the Word together. And I know we got people preparing a meal, and I gave them a fixed time when I would be done, so I'm under the gun. Is that okay? And may God teach us all. You know, as you guys were growing up, your parents tried different things in order to get you to behave. They understood that uh, it was important you learned how to, how to comport yourself out in public and on a job and in many other places in life. So they did a lot of things. One of the things that I just always, it, it, that I found fun, I, did, I think I did one thing that worked as a parent. Okay, I got one thing. I'm proud of this one thing. You know, when you were little, you used to have, your parents wanted you to go to bed, you had crocodile tears. Okay, I don't want to go to bed. And you're crying and crying and crying. So I found one thing that worked for my kids, and uh, that was when they got that got to that place where they're crying. I'd walk into the room and say, hey, "Listen, honey, I know that you really would like to stay up, and I know that um, you're really sad about this. So I'm going to give you ten minutes to cry all you want. Just keep crying for ten minutes. Ten minutes, and after ten minutes, then you'll need to quiet down. Okay." They didn't know what to do with it. They'd try crying for about 30 seconds, and and then they'd stop, and I'd be going, oh, keep going. You've got a lot of time yet. (laughs) Broke them of the crocodile tears going to bed, right? Your parents can tell you things they did in order to try and get you to behave in a way that's good for you, that's healthy for you, and because they know. You see, your parents understand that you've got to learn some things about Life. Now, eventually, they're going to quit trying to do all of that for you. Eventually, they're cutting you loose. Those days are coming very soon. And you may think you have thought at times in the past, you know, my mom and dad, they're going to rule my life forever. They're... No, they're not. They don't want to rule your life forever. Okay, they don't want to be making decisions for you in another 10, 20, 30 years. You may not know this. Your parents had a life before you came. <laughs> and they're hoping to have a life again at some point. <laughs> So do not think that somehow they're going to do this forever for you because they are not. And they also know that if you've been particularly stubborn about some things where you just will not learn, they know at some point they're going to go, out the door you go, and life will teach you the lessons that you refuse to learn from then. Because there's people called employers, fellow workers, neighbors, (laughs) will not put up with what you are willing to dish out to your parents. So the time will come when you will learn. And, and it doesn't mean that they don't love you. It doesn't mean they don't care about you. It just means that they know that they've done what they can. They're moving you along. You get to make your own decisions. And then from that point on, life is going to reward you according to the decisions that you make. And you get to live with the fruits of those rewards. So it's all a great thing. Well, you know what? God deals with us in the same way, does he not, people? At some point, God says to us, he says, oh, these are the kinds of decisions you want to make? Okay, here, go ahead and live with the decisions that you are making. And and in light of that, I'm wanting to call our message today something called reciprocation. Now, that seems like a big, long word. Uh, It really means to give you a definition dictionary definition in order to know what we're talking about. The dictionary definition is a return in kind or of like value. So you do something for someone, they do it back to you, the same kind of thing. A return in kind or of like value. And uh, yeah, it's just this back and forth kind of a thing. How many guys you ever use a reciprocating saw? Do you know what that is, what a reciprocating saw is? Yeah, these, yeah, it does this. 
that kind of us, all right? Goes forward, comes back. Goes forward, same thing that went down, same thing comes back, right? That's reciprocating. What goes out, it comes back. So think of that in terms of God. And there's, and I have no means if this is this exhaustive. But I have a few places in the scriptures, and they, we begin with Mark, and then we bleed into some other places. A few places in scripture where we find out that God deals with us according to reciprocation. First, God reciprocates the value we place on revelation. Joydell just mentioned that it would been, they kind of prefer if they're given quills as people who've been through Bible instruction, if possible. Okay? Revelation. God reciprocates the value we place on revelation. Mark chapter 4. We read this in verse 24. Then he said to them, take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you, and to you who hear, more will be given. For whoever has, to him more will be given, but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Well, what is that all about? In order to understand what Jesus is saying there, we have to understand the context in which we find this. Mark describes Jesus as having just taught the parable on the, on the soils. Remember the good soils? Remember how when the word of God is sown... If some lands on a hard ground and the birds take it away, some is on rocky ground and it comes up for a little bit and then the sun comes up and psh, it's gone and some gets in that, uh, in the real viney ground and so it also comes up but when it comes up then it gets choked out and then some is on good ground and it bears fruit 40, 60 and 100 fold. It is right after that that Jesus says take heed with how you hear. What he's saying simply is this. <laughs> The word of God, in fact, prior to this, let's do this. Also, he said to them, is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? This is right after that parable. Is it not to be set on a lampstead? For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret, but that it should come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Say, God has his word available to us. It is there, and it can be understood, and there is light to be brought to our lives there. It's there. But you have to have a hear to, he- to understand it, an ear to hear it. You have to have the will to understand it. You have to have a mind open it up enough to say, God, I want you to come. I want you to teach me. I want your word to impact my life. And if you refuse that, if you're like the, the, the soils at one, the hard soil, well, the birds take it away and, and it's just gone. The seed never takes it, doesn't germinate at all. Or if you're only the kind of soil that's like the rocky soil and ah, the sun comes up, ah, it gets a little difficult. I don't think I want to mess with that. Or the viney soil where the world comes in and says, you say, I really like the word of God, but there's a lot of other stuff out here that's really pretty and shiny. And I think I like this stuff too. And it just chokes out the word. Jesus said, if that's the kind of soil that you are, if that's the kind of ear you have to hear about the word of God, if you do not place value upon God's revelation, he says, it'll just be taken from you. And somebody who does value the revelation of God, they will receive even more. So there's a reciprocation here. That if you're willing to receive the word of God, God will give you more understanding. He will give you more light. He will give you more insight for your life as you move forward and all those decisions that you're going to be making. But if you reject it, you're like, oh, you know the little bit you learned back in Bible instruction? You know what you learned in church? Eventually, you're going to forget that. It's going to be gone. You don't get any fruit from that. Sorry. Because he's going to let you... He's going to let you bear the fruit of how you value his revelation. Second place, God reciprocates the value we place on forgiveness. Again, a little later in Mark, the Lord Jesus Christ makes this statement. 
In Mark chapter 11, verse 25, he says, And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. That's a frightening statement. I think it comes down to this question of do we value how God has forgiven us? Think of it in Matthew, tied to these very verses, is that another parable. Mark doesn't include it, but Matthew includes a parable of uh, a king who is settling accounts. And he finds out to those who are accountable to him, there's one guy, and, it, and Jesus tells the parable, he owes 10,000 talents, which is just a huge amount of money, more than anybody's going to repay in a lifetime. Okay, It cannot be paid back. And the king says, you owe me that. I'm going to put you in prison and sell your family and get at least recover some of my money. And the guy pleads for mercy. And the king gives him mercy. He says, okay, he forgives him the debt. And then that same guy who's just been forgiven the debt, he goes to another servant. And that guy owes him about three months' wages worth of a debt. It's real. It's palpable. But it's much smaller than an impossible debt. And he says, pay me what you owe me. The guy says, I can't right now. Can you give me some time? He says, no. And he throws him into prison. Now, the guy who had just been, given, been forgiven this debt that's beyond comprehension has another guy who owes him a debt, but within comprehension. And he requires him. He shows him no mercy whatsoever. So now the king hears about this, and he comes back on top of this guy, and he says, I forgave you all of that, and this is how you treat a guy? And he brings judgment down upon this guy's life. You know, the point there is not about forgiving financial debt. The point there is God has forgiven us in Jesus Christ, a debt beyond our capacity to possibly pay. That's what we have owed, the creator God of the universe, in his perfect holiness and righteousness. And God has reached out to us in Jesus Christ, and he has offered us forgiveness at the cross because of what Christ has done. And he says, paid in full. I will not, I will not ask you to pay the payment on this debt because Christ has already done it. And then we turn around... And we refuse to forgive somebody else for some infraction we see in their lives towards us. We're going to hang on to the bitterness. We're going to hang on to the ugliness. We're going to hang on to the, uh, to the anger. We're going to continue to demand, they owe me, they owe me. They hurt my feelings. They did this. They did that. We're going to continue to demand in light of what God has forgiven us. You know, the scripture says that we're to be forgiving one another as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven We are to take that forgiveness and pass it along. Well, you know what? If we're not willing to do that, I absolutely believe it reflects the fact we don't place a whole lot of value on the forgiveness that God offers us in Jesus Christ. We don't really think that he did that big a deal. And we don't understand how significant that is. So God says to us, okay, until you get it, our relationship will not be in that place of perfect restoration. Until you get this, you can live with that. You can live with that unforgiving spirit. You know, there's not, it's not a joyful place to live. When King David knew he was at a place where his fellowship with God had been broken, he said, he, he said in the Psalms, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Because if you are not in a close relationship with God, you're not experiencing the joy that he would have for you. And God says, you know, I think, I'll just with, I think I'll just withhold this whole aspect of our ongoing rela- relational stuff and the forgiveness that I have to offer to you until you grasp 
what I've already done for you in Jesus Christ, and you're willing to pass it on to somebody else. And he says, if you're not willing to do that, you're going to find your Heavenly Father resisting building a, a tighter relationship with you till you manage that, because God reciprocates the value we place on forgiveness. Thirdly, God reciprocates the value we place on salvation. And now we jump over to the book of Luke, to the book of Luke in chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, we read this. He says, I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him the Son of Man also will confess before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men uh, will be denied before the angels of God. If our relationship that we claim to have with Jesus Christ, we claim that he's our Savior, we claim that he is the one to whom we are completely indebted for any hope of eternal life, but we're not willing to tell anybody that, and we shy away from that, I think it's a point where we might question, do we really have a relationship with Jesus Christ? I I mean that. And Jesus said, do you know what? If, If you don't value my relationship with you and what I've done for you enough to tell somebody else, to talk about it, if you don't value it enough that you're going to shrink away from speaking about me, the day's going to come when you need me. You need me to testify for you in heaven before the heavenly Father, and the angels are going to be watching. And God's going to say, the Father's going to say to me, he's going to say, and, and how about this one? Is he one of yours? And I'm going to say, I never knew him. Because that's what you chose. See, I'm going to deal reciprocally with you. You chose to deny me before men. You chose to not make it an important thing that, that you need to talk about me. Apparently, apparently the salvation that I have to offer for you is not all that valuable to you. And I'll just respond in kind. I will reciprocate that when it's time for me to speak up on your behalf, I won't. And it'll be what you have effectively agreed to. God reciprocates the value we place on salvation. And lastly, for what we have here, again, it's not exhaustive. God reciprocates the value we place on him. Romans chapter 1. And really, this is, this is summary to everything that we are saying. Everything that we are saying. Romans chapter 1, we have this contrast set up where Paul, in chapter 1, beginning in verse 16, says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written. The just shall live by faith. On the one hand, he says, the gospel, this good news about Jesus Christ, whom we profess, through whom we have forgiveness. This one, in this context, reveals reveals God's righteousness. Magnificent. This revelation that we can know if we have an ear to hear. We can understand it. We can grasp it. We can go into greater depth with it. If we have an ear to hear about it, he says in the gospel, righteousness of God is revealed. Verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, who don't have an ear to hear, who don't don't think there's great value in the forgiveness that is found in Jesus Christ, who don't place great value in the salvation that is him. And he says, in that context, there is wrath revealed. Well, how is that wrath revealed? Well, as you continue on, and we don't have time to read the entire passage, what you find is God just reciprocates to the, to the people who say, we don't want to keep you, we don't want to know you, we don't want anything to do with you, we don't want to keep the knowledge of you in the experience of our lives. To these people, God says, okay, then go your own way. This knowledge, you have no ear to hear. 
You have no value on the issues of the forgiveness I offer. You have no value on a relationship with me. Fine. Go your own way. And then Paul describes what that way looks like. And very quickly, very quickly, there's this downward spiral that takes place. And it's ugly. And it concludes. Here's how he concludes that spiral. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over. God gave them over. That's the reciprocation. God, we don't want anything to do with you. Okay. I will remove any knowledge that you might have gotten about me. I'll just pull back from that. And you live with all of the wisdom you think you have. And he pulls back. And here is where they wind up. Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Now notice this. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetedness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. And when God removes his light from our life and he says, go on, go ahead. Go ahead, just live the life that you think you're all so great to live. You know what, friends? Young people, we don't do very well in that context. Without the light of God impacting our lives and changing us into the likeness of Jesus Christ, the human condition is such that we just degrade into the ugliness of ugliness. And it just continues to get worse. Because we need him. We must have him. So, God reciprocates. You don't want the knowledge of me? Fine. Do it on your own. Now, it's not a matter, young people, it's not a matter of God vindictively saying, I'll get you back. I'll show you. It's not God just going, you know, just kind of waving his hand at us and saying, you really ticked me off. He's simply letting us live in the world we said we desire to live in. A world without light, a world without forgiveness, a world without salvation, a world without him. And he says, have at it. If we only want a little bit of spiritual light, we'll only get a little bit of spiritual light. And his word will remain an enigma to us. God says, okay, you don't want any more than that. If we want to live in a world of grievances, of grudges, and no forgiveness, he's going to let us enjoy the fruit of such a choice. Say, okay, if that's how you want to live, at some point he'll pull back and go, that's what you want. It's not pretty. I don't know why anybody wants to live in that kind of unhappiness. I don't know why anybody wants to carry bitterness around for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. I don't get that. I don't get why somebody wants to have a grudge against somebody else and they just love nursing that grudge. I don't get it. Some people love being there. God says, all right, that's where you are. If you want to dismiss a relationship with his son, Jesus Christ, he's not going to force the issue. You say, no, it doesn't matter to me. I don't want a part of it. I'm going my own way. If we want to live without the knowledge of God bearing redemptive influence in our experience, he'll let us go. If we don't want to keep him in our knowledge, he will let us go so that our own fallen nature can bear its full fruit. 
regardless of how ugly and rotten that fruit is. To wrap it up with just one thought, I read an article this week about a guy by the name of Greg Hardy, who I have not followed his career, but he's a player for the Dallas Cowboys, said at his position, this guy could be the highest played player in the NFL at his position, and yet nobody wants him. There's not an NFL team out there that'll take him off the hands of the Cowboys. You know why? Because the guy just refused to go to practices, to live a life that allowed him to become a team member, to not be a problem in the locker room. He just refused it. Okay? Outside, of, outside of the team stuff, abusive, getting into legal trouble. We go, what's up with this guy? This guy has the possibility of having this year that would be unbelievably incredible, or this career, that most of us would just think, whoa, wouldn't that be wonderful? And he's letting it all go for one reason. He refuses to come under the structure of what his team in the NFL requires. Because he wants to do it his own way. And his own way is his life unraveling in front of him. And people have been addressing the high schoolers. But isn't it true for all of us? We just decide, I'm going to go my own way. I'm going to do it my own way. God, I don't want, I don't want you to have for me. I don't want you, your light to invade my life. I don't, I'm going to live with the grudges. I'm going, to, I'm going to ignore a relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, God, I don't want you to have any redemptive part in my life. And it's like Greg Hardy, who the rest of the world can see. Here's this guy making a really stupid decision. And the rest of the world and the angels in heaven will see that was a dumb move on my part to walk away from the things of God. Young people, there's a reason women give you quilts to remind you that there's a God in heaven who desires good things for you. He'll reveal himself through your word. He will enable you to make good decisions. He will keep you from living a life of grievance and grudges because he will teach you what forgiveness is and how it is supposed to apply into your life. He will bring you into a full relationship with Jesus Christ. He will continue to reveal himself to you that your life might be good, but you have to have an ear to hear it all. If you walk away from him, he's going to let you go until some serious lessons are learned. Father, we thank you for these young people. We ask your blessing upon them, Lord. We have, we have watched them grow up. We have watched them, Father, younger than toddlers. There are people in this room, Lord, who have changed their diapers in the nursery. And now here they are, ready to make these decisions on their own. I pray, Lord, I pray that they have a deepening and growing desire to know you and all of the magnificent things you will invest into their lives. I pray for good choices on their behalf. In Jesus' name, amen.